Good morning. <clears throat> I'm Aya, I'm Wimala, I'm not Aya anymore. I'm Wimala. And today is Tuesday, October the 11th. And right at this moment, the leaves are falling out of the tree right in front of my little patio. They're just falling down like rain. They have decided today's one of the first days to really drop a lot of leaves. So we're definitely in fall. So we're still reading from Sharon Salzberg's book, A Heart as Wide as the World. And then we'll end by practicing and then you can get on with your day or your evening. Hopefully with a little more mindfulness for the day. So I have, there are two of these I'd like to read because one is a, a good essay and, the, and another is on the topic of mindfulness and uh, how every moment of mindfulness is a kind of enlightenment. This is called The Greatest of Powers. I realize it may be hard for some people to believe, but it is said that my teacher Deepa Ma could bake a potato in her hand and even better make it taste just like chocolate. She could walk through walls. She was known to duplicate her body and demonstrably be in two places at once. Sometimes walking through the streets of Rangoon at night, she materialized a companion for herself. She also spontaneously appeared out of nowhere for appointments with her teacher. Deepama could read your mind and reveal what you kept hidden in your heart. One time she looked one month into the future and described the exact content of a speech that Utant, the Secretary General of the United States, was going to deliver. She could send her mind to different realms of existence and back thousands of years to hear the Buddha give a talk. She could do many things we normally consider unbelievable. Deepa Ma never used these powers for public display, but at times they became one of her teaching tools with people she trusted. She always used them without fanfare or egotism, rather like a natural, almost casual offering of a very different perspective on things. Witnessing such phenomena certainly expanded our notions of the universe and the boundaries of life. They revealed a far bigger world than I had imagined. Phenomena such as these psychic powers happen within the laws of nature. They are considered paranormal only because our definition of what is normal is very limited. Even with a slight expansion of our understanding, we push against usual definitions of the law of nature. We have, for instance, learned to play at the edge of gravity, and thus we routinely fly from place to place and even explore outer space. The level of psychic powers that Deepa Ma demonstrated result from a mastery of concentration. In Buddhism, concentration is considered to be the path of power because as we concentrate, 
all of our usually scattered energy comes together into wholeness. The more we concentrate, the more energy returns to us, and this energy empowers us. With highly developed concentration, it is possible to experience that moment of pivotal, that moment or pivotal point where conventions of time and space, matter and solidity first arise. At that point, the world is very malleable. I like that sentence. It makes some things more clear about physics. With highly developed concentration, it is possible to experience that moment or pivotal point where conventions of time and space, matter and solidity first arise. At that point, the world is very malleable. However, because psychic phenomena happen through power of mind rather than through wisdom, they are not considered ultimately freeing. This is why students are encouraged not to be seduced by them. Munindra taught these practices to Deepa Ma because she had a natural concentration and because they are ancient practices he wished to revive. Most important, he taught them to Deepa Ma because he knew her purity of heart and that she wouldn't misuse them. All the while he was guiding her in developing these powers, he held their attainment in clear perspective, saying, these powers are not important. Enlightenment is important. These powers can bring one's downfall if used wrongly, if used with ego, thinking that you are the one that is powerful. These powers are little things. It is fun, like magic. It is not important. Wisdom is important. With these, while these powers may seem remarkable and highly advanced, the path of concentration does not necessarily purify our view of the nature of life, our vision of the truth. Concentration may not clarify our sense of who we are and what our lives are about. It's through the development of wisdom that we discover the true nature of our minds, of our thoughts and feelings. Paying very careful attention, we see that the body and the mind, which, is, which have seemed solid and defined entities, are actually a bubbling, dancing, constantly changing flow of events. We see that this mind and body, while distinguishable, are also inseparable and interdependent. We see how the body affects the mind and the mind affects the body in a great interplay of being. We see the laws of interdependence in the world around us and realize we are all joined to all. Let me read that again. We see the laws of interdependence in the world around us and realized we are joined to all in this immeasurable flow we call life. Recognition of our interdependence brings forth unfabricated loving kindness. Through mastery of concentration, we might find the natural world more vast than we have supposed it to be. 
we might be able to play in the world in an extraordinary way, but it is not the freedom our practice intends. Upandita's translator, struggling to express these concepts in English, once said, one can have all these powers and do all these amazing things and still be uh, um, um, a loser. <laughs> his translation <laughs> is grabbing at his straws. The true freedom is the fulfillment of wisdom and boundless compassion. Our ability to see clearly and love fully are the greatest of powers. Deepama was adept in both the path of power and the path of wisdom. And even though she had such extraordinary psychic powers, whenever I think about her, what I recall as most remarkable is that she was empty of self and the most loving person I have ever met. And here's the, here is the essay that reminds me, the first paragraph of it reminds me of the book we're reading in book group, uh, Buddhism Plain and Simple. Moments of Liberation. My teacher Upandita once said to me, do you believe what the Buddha taught, that every moment of mindfulness is a moment of freedom? I said, oh yes, I really believe it. And then he said, don't you think it might be better to actually realize it rather than just believe it? I said, no doubt. His comment, in fact, did reduce my doubt in the possibility that I could attain liberation, and it brought me face to face with this very potent teaching of the Buddhas, that being mindful, we can in any moment experience freedom. When we realize this in our own lives, we understand that whatever experience we are having, whether painful or pleasant, is worth our attention because it is an opportunity for freedom. What frees us in that moment is the power of awareness, regardless of the object of that awareness. Mindfulness itself loosens whatever bonds there might be. In one of the great paradoxes of our lives, it can be said that suffering as well as freedom from suffering can arise right here and now, taking form in this body and in this mind. Two polyphrases are used to express this paradox. Klesa Bhumi and Panya Bhumi Bhumi means place of occurrence, place of arising. Klesa refers to those qualities that torment us and bring a strong degree of unhappiness. And Panya means wisdom. The Bhumi is always present in the form of our bodies and minds. With what separates Klesa from Panya is mindfulness. So the difference between those qualities that torment us and bring unhappiness and Panya, what separates klesha, klesha from Panya or wisdom is mindfulness. 
with mindfulness, body and mind serve as the ground for liberation and freedom. Without mindfulness, the very same body and mind become the foundation for torment. The Buddhist teachings point out to us that even the most ordinary person who walks on the path can succeed because the basic material for liberation is already in all of us. You don't, we just have to choose whether we cultivate wisdom or suffering. The traditional metaphor used to illustrate this is that of a garbage pail made of copper. Because it is a garbage pail, we tend to either overlook it or feel disdainful towards it. We then imagine the very same copper being fashioned into jewelry. Now we view the copper with appreciation and even longing. Then take that same copper and form it into statues of gods and goddesses that become objects of veneration. The material is identical, but when it is used differently, our reactions change accordingly. In the same way, rather than disregarding the experiences of our own body-mind, it is possible in any moment to regard them as a material for liberation. All along the spiritual path, we develop an ability to be calmer and to live more harmoniously. We lay bare our suffering and learn self-acceptance and compassion. We concentrate the mind and unveil our true nature. And all of this converges on perfect liberation or Nibbana. This is not a distant goal as it may seem to be. Every moment that we experience without grasping, aversion, or delusion is a moment of Nibbana. It could be this moment. So, those are two good essays. Why don't we sit now? and just we'll sit for about 10, 15, 10, maybe 12 minutes. And I have to make one little adjustment. Let this just be a, a time to be calm and peaceful and just to be with yourself, not caught up in your thoughts, that's one thing we can just uh, observe and watch and not pay a lot of attention to. So it's a break from our thoughts, which are relentless. And so the more we can work with our thoughts and learn how to just watch, observe them, watch them come and then watch them go, that's where we'll find probably the most peace in our daily life. If you find yourself thinking about your problems or worrying about the future or worrying about the world and the condition of the physical world, um, worrying about your loved ones, worrying about money or uh, worrying about not having everything you need. Well, if you don't, if you need things, that's probably something that you want to take care of. But most of us are worrying about whether we have enough excess in our lives. You know, it's way over our basic needs in this country most of the time. So 
um, those thoughts, when we learn to let go of the thoughts, when we learn to just be with, be in an observing mind and just be relaxed and see that thoughts come and go, come and go constantly, we can learn of more and more how to let go of those thoughts that, that drag us down, that cause us stress and anxiety. And uh, we can do that just by staying in the present moment, bringing our minds and our bodies to the moment. It's often very easy to do it when we're out in nature. So sometimes we need to just stop what we're doing and be present in that moment. Just being aware of what's going on around you, what your senses are picking up on, not getting caught up in thoughts about analyzing everything and thinking about everything and planning every moment, uh, just being present. So when we're doing, when we're meditating, that's all we're doing. We are being in the present moment. So you can take a walk and do the same thing. But it's intentional. Meditation is when we are intentionally trying to stay in the present moment. So we use our breath as the anchor. So just be in a posture where you're comfortable, but where you feel awake. That's why lifting the spine is often recommended because that's a signal to our body that we're awake. If you're slumped over too much or too relaxed, it's easy to fall asleep. Just, just be aware of the body breathing is a very good first step. We're just observing our natural breath, just watching. We can sometimes control the speed of our breath or the taking a deep breath or a shallow breath, but the body's doing the work. Most of the time we're just on autopilot with our breathing. So now we can be aware of the body breathing Just notice the breath changes with each breath. We just notice the in-breath and then again the out-breath. Notice it either around your nostrils or you can choose to, to notice it as your belly rises on the inhale and contracts on the exhale. Breath is the anchor we come back to all the time. 
Be aware of your body. Notice if the body is comfortable and relaxed. You can use cushions if that helps you. Maybe something to help you be in the right posture. The sitting position or standing or walking, we should be comfortable in any position we're in when we meditate because if we're not comfortable, we're not going to practice. We'll be constantly focused on that discomfort. So be aware of the body. You may notice that you're stiff somewhere. Maybe your shoulders are stiff. You can always begin practice with a body scan, and that can be a meditation practice in itself. Just moving through the body, being aware of the skin, the flesh, the bones, being aware of feelings, just the tone in your body, pleasant feeling, unpleasant feeling, or maybe just neutral. Maybe you're not really aware of how your body feels. Now be aware of sounds you hear, or the feeling of the temperature, the air on your skin, the sense of contact, or how it feels sitting, or how your feet feel on the floor. You may notice a smell. It could be a wonderful fragrance. Maybe someone's cooking or you're outdoors and can smell the last of the plants, the flowers you may have. Or you can smell just the crisp fall air.
Be aware of any taste in your mouth. If you've just had a sip of tea or coffee, or if your mouth feels dry, Take in everything that comes to you through your senses. When we're being mindful, we're being aware of everything without passing judgment, without evaluating. So we're paying attention, we're allowing contact, We're just seeing it as it is, sound as sound, not something that's a pleasant music to us or a harsh uh, horn from a car. We're just aware that there's sound. And our mind is one of our senses in the Buddhist terminology. So you can be aware of your thoughts. We're not trying to cut ourselves off from our thoughts because that's what the mind does. It will really show a lot of resistance if we tell it, don't think. So we can see the thoughts arise, but we can just make a note. Here's a thought. We can be aware that the thought arises, but we don't need to get involved in it or make a story out of it. We can just be aware of that thought and watch it. When we're not focusing on it, we can watch it come and see that it gradually fades away. Just keep letting go, letting go of thoughts, letting go of viewpoints and opinions. Just be in the present moment.
Now coming to the end of our time together. If you can keep sitting, go ahead, and you can certainly keep being mindful if you're getting back to your regular, regular day. So you can just continue that way. So may everything we do and say and think today be done for our benef benefit and our own care, but may it also be done for the benefit of all other living beings, all sentient beings everywhere. May you be well, may you be peaceful. Thank you. I'll see you Thursday. <laughs>